0: Jesus is real There's power in your name We hope trust in your ways We need Jesus is real Because he gets the gospel That even though his dad's a pastor, his dad's not perfect His dad's never going to be perfect and by me saying, buddy, I'm sorry I messed that up. I didn't realize mom told you to do something different. I was just trying to get you out the door. I'm so sorry. When he hears that, he realizes that at the root of the gospel's forgiveness. And forgiveness happens because people are falling and failing. And you know what? God doesn't say, I'm the God of the second chance. He's the God of the first chance with the second Adam. Perhaps you're blessed to have a job that you love, one that doesn't feel like work. Chances are, even if you're happy where you are now, you were once employed in a place where you weren't. Today's teaching offers a refreshing perspective on our work lives, one that defers to the Lord and fulfilling His purpose for our work. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 2, with our continuing study entitled, Messy Relationships. how many of you realize that your parents really got a whole lot more than you realized? That's right. I can share stories with you. When I realized that my parents weren't as out of touch as I thought that they were. They saw things from a different vantage point. So we need to learn how to obey as children. Now, a quick note to those of you who are older, you're adults and you have parents. Even though you've made a new family, God still asks us to honor our parents. We live in a culture that doesn't respect... People who are farther along in life. Our culture values youthfulness. And it's to our detriment. So although you are your own family, your own person, you're an adult, you still need to honor your parents. And for each one of us, that means different things depending on your relationship. Just because you're an adult, you shouldn't write your parents off. You should still honor them. Because that's still right in the Lord. We need the wisdom of our parents. Even if we choose to make other decisions, give them the opportunity to speak into your life. Speak into your life. Build those relationships. So we need to learn how to obey as children. This is important to the Lord. And then in verse 4, we get to the parents. Look at what it says. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of of the Lord, So in verse 4, we need to train up your child That's what it teaches us Train up your child Now, you have to realize that because of the finished work of Jesus This introduces a fresh element of responsibility to parents To take into account their children's feelings In Greco-Roman culture It was very common for parents to, they had absolute authority, specifically the father. It was a patriarchal society. And it was very often just be like, I'm the parent, I'm the dad, you do what I ask. But now the Apostle Paul, talking to fathers, and by extension, parents, is saying to them, listen, don't provoke your children to wrath. So what that means is that as parents, with God-given authority over your family, Don't provoke your children to wrath by taking into account how they feel. Now, for those of you who are parents, isn't that kind of hard? You're like just trying to get get them to where you need to get them to, and they're just like, but, 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 but. Just the way our Father in heaven takes the time to hear our hearts, even though he knows what's going down, we need to take the time as parents to hear our children's hearts, to take them into account Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. We've heard it said as parents that you should break a child's will, but not their spirit. That's a fine line, isn't it? There's a fine line between helping your children to learn how to obey and breaking their spirit so they become discouraged with life. When a parent does not submit themselves to Jesus in their parenting, it's very easy to power trip your kids. To not take into account what they're trying to say. You're like, no, no, we just need to go. And they're just saying, but, but, but. I've had that experience a lot of times. So I'm speaking out of my own learning curve. It's very easy for parents to discourage their children. To bring them to a place of wrathfulness because you're not taking into account the fact that you need to shepherd your child's heart. You need to nurture your children. You need to take care of them. You need to include them and their feelings in what's going on and how you're getting at life. So notice we need to not only not provoke them to wrath, but we need to bring them up in the training and the admonition Of the Lord It makes us think of course of Proverbs 22 6 Train up a child in the way he should go That when he is old He will not depart from it The idea of training up That word training In the Greco-Roman world Meant strict discipline And the idea of admonition Means to nurture in a strong way Now don't get that He's saying don't provoke your kids to wrath But train them Strictly And there's a sweet spot if I ever heard of one, right? Because there's a part of us that thinks, how can I not provoke them to wrath, but yet still be a disciplined parent? Still nurture them in their relationship with, with the Lord. And I think the key for us as parents is to learn from God's admonition to children. We do not want to garner obedience because we're their parents. We want to garner obedience out of their lives so that they might understand how to walk with the Lord. And us as parents now, we take their feelings into account because it's not about them obeying us. It's about them obeying God. And it's about us obeying God. Now, some of you parents and some of you younger folks who haven't yet have kids, you're starting to hear things like, you shouldn't teach your child a religion because that's brainwashing. And some of you are tempted to think, yeah, it is brainwashing. Listen, all education is brainwashing. Okay? Every single form of education is brainwashing. And I'm here to tell you, we need our brains washed. There's some dirty business in there. <laughs> you like that? You, you can quote that, it's a good one. We need to systematically teach and train our children to follow Jesus, unashamed. And as we're teaching them about Jesus, we need to teach them to love people and not to judge people. One of the biggest issues I see in Christian homes is that the parents have become Pharisees and they're raising little Pharisee kids. Jesus didn't even like the Pharisees. He still died to forgive their sins, but you don't want to raise Pharisees. You want to raise people who love Jesus. And people who love people who are lost. And people who say, listen, I realize you don't agree with me about Jesus, but I love you and let me roll up my sleeves and serve you. Rather than being like, oh, you're not a Christian. I can't play with you. Because we don't like you kind of people. Can you imagine if God did that to us? Could you imagine if God said, listen, you're messed up. I just can't spend any time with you. See, we need to systematically pour the gospel into our kids. Not only... In Bible memory verses, which are great, reading our kids the Bible, which is great, but also teaching them how to be humble followers of Jesus. Some of us, as parents, when we see our kids later, we need to apologize because we've messed up. One of the greatest modeling of Christ in the life of a parent is for a parent to say, I really messed that up. I'm so sorry. God's working on me. Will you pray with me? Those are some of my sweetest moments with my kids. When I say, I'm sorry I didn't take what, what you were feeling into account. God's working on me. We we pray with me? And, you know, just recently we had that nobody, But I was like, Abba, I know you love me. And I know God's not finished with you yet. So let's pray. <laughs> That's so encouraging. Because he gets the gospel. That even though his dad's a pastor, his dad's not perfect. His dad's never going to be perfect. And by me saying, buddy, I'm sorry I messed that up. I didn't realize mom told you to do something different. I was just trying to get you out the door. I'm so sorry. When he hears that, he realizes that at the root of the gospel's forgiveness. And forgiveness happens because people are falling and failing. And you know what? God doesn't say, I'm the God of the second chance. He's the God of the first chance with the second Adam. God's the God of the... 70 times seven chances, and we still get it wrong. But yet he sent Jesus. And our job as parents is not to lord our authority over them, but to train them up little by little, nurture them in their most holy faith. So parents, listen, train up your kids. Now, some of you are in here, you're like, look, I missed the opportunity to train up my kids. You could still train them up from right where you are. They might be all grown up. You could still bless them, pray for them, encourage them. You could even tell them, listen, I'm sorry that when you were growing up, I didn't raise you up in the things of God. I'm sorry, I I realized that I made a mistake with that. Will you forgive me? And listen, don't miss the ministry of a grandparent either. Man, talk about a ministry. You get to sugar them up, talk to them about Jesus, and send them back to your kids. My dad all the time says, if I knew grandkids would be this much fun, I would have had them first. <laughs> he doesn't have to change a diaper. He doesn't have to discipline them. He just has to sugar them up, have fun with them, and send them home. So don't miss those opportunities. But man, we need to train up our children. Now, from there, in verse 5 to 9, we move to slaves and masters, or bond servants and masters. Now, A quick note on this before I jump right on in When we think of the words slaves and masters We, in the 21st century We filter it through what we can call African slavery Where people were literally kidnapped Shipped to another country And put into forced labor Now I'm here to tell you That in the Bible that's not what was going on Now in some aspects of the Roman Empire, those type of things happen. But for the most part, slavery functioned. when you owed money and you couldn't afford to pay your debt, you would become a slave to somebody who was more wealthy and work for them to pay off your debt. You know what I call that in 21st century? I call that work. Because the reason most of us do what we do is because we have bills to pay, and maybe we don't love what we do, but we do it because we've got to pay the bills, right? Now, I think that's an important distinction because some people want to say, oh, well, Christianity, the reason it's wrong is because they didn't go after slavery. And I'm here to tell you, yes, Christianity, nowhere in the Bible that says you need to get slavery laws eradicated. Although, in both America and in England, the major proponents of abolishing slavery were all Christian people. you know how... Jesus undercuts slavery By reminding us that we're all Part of the family of God The issue of slavery Is not an issue of law It's an issue of the heart And when God helps people realize That even though you're a wealthy person Who doesn't owe people And somebody links up with you To be able to pay their bills That you are brother or brother and sister That you are family That changes everything I mean in the Old Testament There's the Law of the bond servant. Some people were slaves and they loved working in their master's house so much that after they paid off their debtors set free, they're like, I want to stay. We can't even fathom that through the lens of African slavery because it's found on a completely different set of principles. So I'm going to talk about slaves and masters as employees and employers because it's the proper analogy. If you're an employee, you work there Both by choice and because you have to, you got to pay the mortgage, you got to pay for the car, gas, food, all those things, and you're saying, "Look, if I didn't have to pay for all these things, then I probably wouldn't work there." Well, in some ways, you're a slave then, because your bills are the master. So I'm going to talk about it this way. Now, look at what happens. It begins in verse five by saying, "Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling." in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Verse eight, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Now, this teaches us that we should work As unto the Lord. Work as unto the Lord. So what this is saying is that if you, in Paul's day, if you were a bondservant or a slave or in our day as an employee, do not work for your paycheck or even for your boss. You work as unto the Lord. And you notice it keeps coming back to this over and over again. It says at the end of verse 5, as to Christ... Look at verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Verse 7, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord. Just like wives are to submit to to the Lord and their husband gets the benefit, husbands love their wives by dying for themselves as unto the Lord, and your wife gets the benefit. Just as children obey the Lord and their parents get the benefit, And parents don't provoke and train their children as to the Lord, and the kids get the benefit. Now, brother, sister, don't work for the paycheck or for your boss. Work is unto the Lord, and your job will get the benefit. See, that's the key for us. We do it vertically, and then the horizontal level takes care of itself. you got to realize, when Paul says things like, do it not with eye service as men-pleasers, What he's saying is that for the slave in that day, it's not like, well, I'm going to work overtime, I'm going to get extra money. There was no financial incentive to do a bang-up job for a person who was already indebted and working. But they should do it anyway. See, for you and I in our culture, overtime hours, extra money, that drives us. But as Christians, we have a greater loyalty. And every day that we have breath, every day that we move through the earth, We live as unto the Lord. So don't work for your job. Work for the Lord, and your job will be blessed. Don't work for your boss. Work for the Lord, and your boss will be blessed. That's what this whole section is about. We do our work as unto the Lord. Now listen to Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 25, it says, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid For what he has done, and there is no partiality. Those are powerful verses, aren't they? Because it completely changes the way we live our lives. Completely. We don't do it as men-pleasers. We do it out of sincerity of the heart, heartily as unto the Lord. Now, you see how that changes everything now. Because it doesn't matter if people notice. It doesn't matter if you get a promotion doesn't matter. You just do your work as unto God. And that is a glorious witness. How many of us miss out on blessing God at our jobs because we're too busy doing it for people so that people will notice, so that we'll get that promotion? Don't get me wrong. People noticing and promotions aren't bad, but that shouldn't be the driving principle of our lives. The driving principle of our lives now becomes well done, good and faithful servant. That we are servants of the Most High God with jobs. And we do that work as unto Him, not as unto people. Now I'm here to tell you, I've been a pastor for a long time, but out of all my years of ministry, I've always, almost all of it, the last couple of years in small, I always worked jobs as well as a church planter. So I know what it's like to be in funky job situations. I know what it's like to work for bosses who don't get what's going on. I haven't always had the privilege of working within a church. So I get what goes down. I get the garbage that goes down, but God wants you to be a witness on your job. You don't roll up your sleeves and jump into the mess. You live completely differently. You serve the Lord, and your boss gets the benefit. Christians should be well known as the exceedingly amazing best employees. We should be known as that. It's unfortunate. I've heard Christian businessmen said, whatever you do, don't hire a Christian brother or sister for your job because they take advantage of it in the name of Jesus. And that breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. In the name of Jesus that we goof off. Well, it's okay. Yeah, I was two hours late, but you pay me. We're brothers. I've seen that stuff go on. Heartbreaking. Because it completely misrepresents the finished work of Jesus in the world. I mean, some of you are business people. You say that, yeah, I'll never never hire a Christian brother or sister because they take advantage of it in the name of Jesus. And that totally misses the point. We do our work as unto the Lord, not unto people. And we don't take advantage of people because Jesus doesn't take advantage of us. So we work as unto the Lord. And then closing in verse 9. And you masters do the same things to them. Giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Notice, and you masters do the same things to them. Giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven. So for those of you who are bosses, employers, we need to lead humbly under God. Lead humbly under God. Do you notice what he says? He says, masters, do the same things to your servants as they're doing to you. Wow. How many bosses feel like, well, listen, I'm the boss. You serve at my beck and call. It's so easy when you have a position of authority to abuse that authority. So easy to do that But it says no, no, no Live out the golden rule If you're in here today and you're a boss You're an employer You're a manager over a department You have people Listen, do unto them as you would want them to do unto you Serve them as you would want to be served If you were in that position Don't threaten them Why? Why? Because you are also under authority. And God, with God, there's no partiality. Colossians 4.1, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Think about that. It's so beautiful. I love this. Because what God does is for parents and children, husbands and wives, now masters and servants... What God does is he says, listen Whatever your role You live as unto the Lord You lead as unto the Lord You bless as unto the Lord You treat people As you want to be treated Knowing that just as they're under authority So are you And this is what I love about the way Jesus deals with power Because Jesus levels the playing field for everybody It reminds me of Galatians chapter 3 Verse 28, Apostle Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus is Real Radio. It's exciting to me that you would take the time to listen to this. It is my distinct hope that each one of us would simply respond to Jesus. That's a big idea for me, for Crossroads Community Church, and for Jesus is Real Radio, that each one of us would meet with Jesus What I like to say at street level Because Jesus is right where you are He is right there in the middle of your situation And in the middle of your circumstances Jesus is right there And Jesus wants each one of us to learn How to simply respond to him What that means is that at every moment Jesus prompts us and we take that step And it's my hope for you as you're listening to this program That you would find yourself each day Simply responding to Jesus more and more You'll become more loving, more kind more gracious, more generous, not just financially, but in every single area of your life. You'd find yourself desiring to serve others and not just hoping that everyone is there to serve you. When we simply respond to Jesus, we become closer and closer and closer to who God created us to be. And so we say that Jesus is real, and he is, and he exists right where you are, and he is inviting you to partner with him in recreating the world. So Jesus wants to change the world and he is looking for available people, people like you and like me. So please, as you listen, simply respond to Jesus and engage yourself in the work of God's kingdom in your community and in your world. God bless you so much.